Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Joy Gruitz. Good morning, everyone, and good morning to those of you that are joining us online. You know, there's just something special about being able to speak at your home church. And it's hard to believe, but my husband, Joe, and I now have been attending for almost 11 years. But you know, we have been going to church all our lives. I may not have been what's called a PK, which is a preacher's kid, but I certainly would be called a CK, which means a church kid, which means when the doors were open, our family was there. And so as I began to think about that, I realized that over the course of my lifetime, literally thousands of sermons have been poured into my life. Yet of all those sermons, I have to say that the ones that have been most impactful have been those that have challenged me in my faith, that have challenged me to draw closer to the Lord. And so this morning, I want to share with you a word that's going to challenge you that's going to challenge your faith. And what I mean by that is that wherever you are at in your journey of faith with the Lord, whether you are a new Christian or whether you are like me, that you've been a Christian for decades, that this morning I'm going to invite you to embrace the challenge, to embrace God's expectation that we become more like Jesus. But before I talk more about Jesus, I want to share a little bit about my big sister, Tracy. Now, there were four kids in our family. There was Tracy, who was the oldest. Then I have an older brother, then me, and then I have a younger sister. But the interesting dynamics of our family was that Tracy was significantly older than the rest of us. In fact, she is 10 years older than I am. So that meant that when she graduated from high school and started attending college, I was still in elementary school. So when she would come home from college, I would hear her talk about these intriguing classes like World Lit, Intro to Psychology, Kinesiology. I mean, that in itself is a great word, Kinesiology. But here I was still in elementary school, you know, taking the mundane classes of reading, writing, and arithmetic. And so I looked up to my sister because she was someone that, you know, she went out on dates and went to dances and cruised down Woodward. I played jacks on the porch and rode my bike and swung on swings in the backyard. You know, she was talented and she was beautiful. In fact, I brought a picture of her. It's her senior picture. I mean, she's beautiful, right? And then there's me with this haircut. You know, I often, when I look at these pictures, I said, did we go to the hair, the same hairdresser? You know, look at those bangs. Whoops, you lost the bangs. But, but you can see how easy it was for me to want to be just like her because she wasn't just beautiful on the outside. She was beautiful on the inside. She had a strong faith of the Lord she had, she was compassionate, she was caring, and she didn't treat her little sister like a pest. I can remember when I wanted to learn how to do the splits because of course she knew how to do the splits. And so she patiently taught me, 
But it wasn't just enough for her to teach me how to do them. Once I learned how to do the splits, she said, Joy, we're going to go downtown. We're going to go to the Saunders ice cream store, and we're going to celebrate with chocolate ice cream sodas. Yeah, that was great back then. So you can see it truly was easy for me to want to grow up and to be just like my big sister. But as perfect as she seemed, she was not totally perfect. Even though she had a nickname of Angel Tracy, she was not perfect. She was worthy of my emulation. But the goal of becoming just like my sister, it may have seemed lofty, but it seemed attainable. But this morning, I want to talk about the expectation that God the Father has for us that may seem unattainable, that we are to become like our big brother, Jesus Christ. I mean, look at what we read in the scripture in Romans 8, 29. It says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, God the Father desires that we who are his children, that we become like Jesus Christ, our big brother. See, we have to understand that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, not only do we receive this awesome gift of eternal life, but we also are adopted into the family of God. We become part of his family, and God the Father wants we who are the adopted ones to become like his only begotten one, that we are to become like Jesus. And surely, Jesus is worthy of our emulation. I mean, Jesus displays such a heart of love and compassion. I mean, we see a profound intimacy that he had with his Father, we see an unwavering obedience to God. We see how he had a heart for the lost, to save the lost, to heal the sick, to deliver the oppressed. He had wisdom that was greater than that of King Solomon. He had a heart of love for the Lord that was greater than King David. And he had the power to perform miracles that was greater than even the great prophets. Yes, Jesus is worthy of our emulation. But how do we do that? How do we become like Jesus? Yet we see the scripture tells us that we must. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. This scripture tells us we have to become like Jesus. We have to follow his example. We have to imitate him in everything that we do. But God the Father knows our limitations. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we cannot become Christ-like on our own strength. So this is why he sent us a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit to his disciples on the night before he was going to be crucified. You see, he was telling the disciples in these final moments about what was about to transpire, how things were going to change, that he was going to leave them. And so it's with great compassion that he begins to tell his disciples these words. This is in, found in John 16, 7. 
He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart him, depart, I will send him to you. Now in that moment, in those hours of intimacy with Jesus, I don't think they understood or could fathom how anything could be better than having Jesus right there with them. How amazing it had been for the last three and a half year to be on this great adventure with Jesus. And now he's saying, it's coming to an end, and I'm going to leave you, and you know what? It's to your advantage. I don't think they got it. And this is why Jesus explained the advantage. He said in John 14, 17, it says, you know him, talking about the Holy Spirit, for he lives with you, and he will be what? In you. The advantage that Jesus was talking about was that the Holy Spirit would not just be with the disciples, he would dwell within them. You see, Jesus had led them externally for three and a half years, but the Holy Spirit would be able to lead, guide, and empower them internally from within. You see, the Holy Spirit's guidance and indwelling would result in an empowering transformation in the lives of these disciples. Now, in that moment, I'm sure, again, that they could not grasp the advantage. But after Jesus' resurrection, he gives them these final words. It's found in Luke 24, verse 49. He says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city, in Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, those words came to pass. The Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind as the disciples and believers were gathered up in this upper room. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we see an amazing transforma transformation in the lives of these believers. In fact, we see one great example in Peter himself. Remember, Peter was the man, the disciple, who denied Christ three times before just a handful of people. But now, he stands up before the thousands of people that have gathered outside of this house, and he begins to preach a message of salvation, the message of Jesus Christ. And on that day, the Bible says thousands were saved. Thousands were saved. And remember, the disciples, being a disciple, still is not a welcome thing in this time. Those who nailed Jesus to the cross are still in power. But they have now this inspired boldness. But it wasn't just their boldness to preach about Jesus. What we see in these early believers is this way that they lived and acted and reacted how they had a heart of love for each other and a love for others. It was the way that they began to live their lives that reflected the Christ that was in them. And just as the Holy Spirit was a helper to these first century believers, the same Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that we sang about this morning, that same Holy Spirit will help us today 
in this 21st century. The Holy Spirit will empower us and influence us today so that we can exhibit Christ-like character, that we can do what the Bible says, produce fruit. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about this fruit of Christ's character that we as believers are to live. We read in Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17, and then we're going to jump to verses 22 and 23. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then it goes on to say, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives will produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do we not need that today? Do we not need the fruit of the Holy Spirit, these character qualities of Christ manifested in our lives today? You see, Paul's exhortation, if you look at the beginning of that scripture, the choice we have, it begins with the choice. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. The Holy Spirit can be a powerful agent of change in our lives if we let him. If we do, then he will change the desires of our hearts. See, that's where it begins. Every action, every choice we make begins with the desire. And the Holy Spirit will influence and empower us in the area of our desires, and he will strengthen our will to make that choice of change. We must understand that we are not passive in this transformation, this change process, that the maturing and the perfecting of our character requires that we are active participants in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We partner with the Holy Spirit as he influences us and empowers us to make the choice to change. Now, we will not attain perfection in this lifetime, but the Lord does want us to be engaged in that perfecting process. Listen to Paul's exhortation to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 4, 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I want you to notice three key verb phrases. Throw off your old habits. Let the Spirit renew our minds and put on the nature of Christ. These imperative instructions are a call to action. And this is where the Holy Spirit will help us. He will reveal to us what needs to be changed. He will create in us the desire to change. He will empower us to make that choice of change. But understand, our part in partnering with the Holy Spirit is that we are the ones who actually make the choice to change. 
we make the choice to change. You see, the Holy Spirit requires that we act upon his empowerment, for he will not violate or override our free will, that choice to change. But when we do, when we walk in partnership with the Holy Spirit, when we allow him to influence our desires, empowers us to make that choice of change, and ultimately we make that choice, Day by day, month by month, year by year, we do become more like Christ, more like Jesus, our big brother, and we produce what can be referred to as both in and out of season fruit. Now, to understand what that means, we're finally getting to the book of Mark. I'm sure some of you are worried, like she's doing all these other scriptures, but where's Mark? Here's Mark 11. We're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has with the fig tree. Mark 11, verses 12 to 14. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig, leaf, a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. I want you to remember that part. Then he said to the tree, may no one eat fruit from you again. So here are Jesus and his disciples in a, a little town called Bethany. It seems that whenever Jesus had business to do in Jerusalem and needed to spend a night somewhere, instead of Jerusalem, he spent it in Bethany. Bethany is only about a two-mile walk to Jerusalem. And it's also a place where his good friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And so the Bible says that they get up in the morning, they're out early, and they're on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus is hungry. Apparently, they did not have any breakfast, so he's hungry. He sees this fig tree. The fig tree has leaves on it, goes up to the fig tree, and he looks among the leaves for figs, but he doesn't find any. And so he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now, to me... When I would read this account in the scripture, I would find it quite puzzling, even bewildering. Like, why would Jesus say to the tree, you're never going to eat, there's no one's going to eat fruit from this tree again. In other words, you're not going to be fruitful anymore. Why was he so disappointed and upset with this fig tree? Because what? It isn't the season for figs. The question I had is, why even go up to the fig tree and look? I mean, I don't go apple picking in February. Why would he go to this fig tree and look for figs when the scripture clearly says it's not the season for figs? You see, whenever Jesus does something that's a little puzzling or bewildering, to me, I think we have to look for an underlying spiritual truth that he wants us to grasp. And for me, this is the truth, that God's expectation are that we, as the children of God, that we are to bear the fruit of Christ's character in season and also out of season. You see, in season is bearing the character of Christ when things are going great in our lives. Out of season fruit is bearing the characteristics of Christ, the character of Christ when things are not going so well. See, when we face 
financial difficulties, we still choose to be a giver. That's out-of-season fruit. When we are wronged, we still choose to forgive. When we're passed over for a promotion, we still work with excellence. We choose to show compassion to those who show us none. We choose to be obedient when it isn't an easy choice. That's out-of-season fruit. Jesus gave one of the most famous sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. And in, the very, um, in that sermon, we see him describe some out-of-season fruit. When you look at Matthew 5, 44, look at what he says. As Christ's followers, we are to love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That is serious, out-of-season fruit. But it's exactly the kind of fruit that Jesus exemplified on the cross, right? When he died on the cross, it wasn't just going to be for those who loved Jesus or followed Jesus. It was also going to be for those who nailed him to the cross. Remember, he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's out-of-season fruit. But we know when we read that scripture to love Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. How many know that does not come naturally? That is not the instinctive reaction of our sin-fractured nature. But it's interesting that the very next verse, after Jesus says, love your enemies, you know, do good to those who hate you, when he lists all of that, the very next verse, in verse 45, look at what he says. In this way, in this way you will be acting as what? True children of your Father in heaven. If you love only those who love you, what, is, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? As Christians, as Christ followers, as men and women who bear the name of Christ as Christians, it is time for us to be different. It is time for us to bear the out-of-season fruit by what we say, by how we act, and how we react. More than ever, church, in the world today, they need us to be bearing out-of-season fruit. We need to be different. It is imperative, but it is not easy. So how do we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit to produce this in and out of season fruit? How do we allow him to influence our lives so we make that conscious choice of change that bears the kind of fruit the Father is looking for? Well, we allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And he teaches us with the inspired words of the Bible. Look what 2 Timothy says. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It, correct, it corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So when we read God's Bible, when we pray and meditate, and meditate means just to think deeply, on the scriptures. 
then these scriptures that we find in the Bible, they become the benchmarks of truth for us. And as we pray about them, as we read them with an open heart and mind, the Holy Spirit can begin to sensitize our conscience, our minds, and show us how we can apply God's truths to our lives. You see, just as Jesus searched among the leaves of that fig tree for fruit when it was out of season, God the Father is searching our hearts to see if the character of Christ is being formed in us. And when we begin to live out our God-created identities as his children, emulating the character of Christ, when we begin to bear in and out of season fruit, our lives glorify the Father. And that is exactly what it says in John 15, 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to the Father. So this morning, we are going to embrace the challenge the challenge of the Father's expectation that we become more like Christ as we take some time for what is called personal contemplative prayer. We're going to contemplate on four key scriptures, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives and sensitize our conscience to reveal to us individually one area where I need to become more like Christ. Is this uncomfortable? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. Because all of us, as Christ's followers, our charges, our responsibilities, the necessity is that we become more like Jesus. So we're going to quickly just look at four key scriptures. I mean, as I go through them, I want you just to say, Holy Spirit... Just put a finger on my heart to that one area, one aspect where I need to change. I need to make that choice to change to become more like Jesus. And we're going to start by looking at a really tough scripture again. You ready? Mark 5, 44. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And persecute you. I know this is not easy, but just look at that first line love your enemies. Maybe this morning, as we take some time to prayerfully, personally have a conversation with the Lord, maybe this is the area or this is the scripture the Holy Spirit's going to stir in your heart. Love your enemies. What, is, what kind of love is Jesus talking about? Well, as you contemplate this scripture, there may be one person that automatically comes to mind, someone that's wronged you, someone that's mistreated you, maybe something that's happened with someone that's unfair. So how do I love that person? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, there's a chapter called the love chapter, and I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but there's one verse in verse 4, that defines the kind of love Jesus is talking about. And it says, love is patient and kind, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Maybe this morning, as this is the scripture you're going to prayerfully contemplate, the Holy Spirit's going to bring to mind that one person 
that has treated you unfairly or unkind or has wronged you, someone you have issue with, and is typically that person where you have got your record of all the ways they've wronged you. And the way that you can choose to love them today is say, Lord, I lay that record down. I put that record to rest. And maybe during this time of quiet prayer, you can even get to the point where you say, I ask, Lord, that you bless them. You may not feel like that, but it's a choice you make. You see, it may be, I'll choose to forgive them. It doesn't mean that it's the way I feel. I feel like I want to forgive them. No, I choose to forgive them because that's what Jesus did for me. He chose to forgive my sins. So maybe this will be the scripture that you'll want to prayerfully contemplate in just a few minutes. The next scripture, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's one of these quality character traits of Christ that needs to be formed in you. We've talked about love. Maybe it's joy. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you're filled with anxiousness and worry, and you need peace. Maybe you're an impatient person, and you need patience. Maybe it's kindness. Maybe it's goodness. Maybe it's faithfulness. Maybe gentleness. Self-control. Maybe there's a habit of sin that you need to lay down today. The next scripture. But you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language. Okay, we live in a day, in an age, filled with abusive language, anger, malice. And maybe, even though you're a Christian, as the Holy Spirit may point and remind you of something you've posted on social media that hasn't been so very kind and gentle. You know, we have to, as Christians, remember that we have to taste our words before we spit them out. That the way we act and react is important. That, you know, people today are having issues with being angry. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have a problem with temper. Something goes wrong and bam, there's that temper. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is going to sensitize your heart to today and create in you a desire to not be so angry or not use that abusive language. And then let's look at the last scripture that you may feel to contemplate in prayer today. Jesus' words were, Father, yet not my will, but your will be done. You know, Jesus said, he prayed three times, Father, take this cup from me. And you know what that meant? Jesus was basically saying, can there be another way? Does it have to be the cross? But what was his preference was that there would be another way to bring salvation. But ultimately, what is the choice that Jesus made? Not my will, your will. And I think today we live in a society where we have put our preferences over obedience to God. And maybe that's an area that the Holy Spirit's going to deal with you this morning. That I have to choose obedience to God over my personal preferences. What is personal contemplative prayer? It's where we're just going to take just a few minutes, bow our heads where we're at, But you are welcome. I know Pastor will welcome if you, during these few minutes, want to have a solitary place just down here in front of the altar, that's fine. But we're going to bow our heads 
No one's going to be singing, just some worship music in the background. And we're just going to have a conversation with our Father, asking the Holy Spirit, where do I need to be bearing this out-of-season fruit? Where in my life do I need to become more like Jesus? Because when we do, our lives bring glory to the Father. So now I'm just going to ask that even those of you that are watching online, that you would join us in this time of prayer as we just bow our heads. You know, praying is just a conversation with the Lord. You don't have to have religious-sounding words. You know, some people say, well, I really don't know how to pray or what to say. It's talking to Him and being honest with Him and saying, I know I need to change in one area of my life today. Help me, Holy Spirit, empower me to make that choice to change so that my life brings glory to you. The scriptures are going to be scrolled just on the screen. Those of you watching online will be scrolled on your screens as well. So let's take these few moments and allow the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.